How's it going, everybody? My name is John from Podbean and Podcasting Smarter. On today's episode, we're going to be interviewing Ben Levitt, who is a social media strategist and a digital marketer. We're going to be talking about a bunch of different ways that you can gain way more traction for your podcast, explode your listenership for your podcast, and use different tools such as social media like Instagram and YouTube to help you grow your audience. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. Welcome to Podcasting Smarter, the podcast for and by podcasters. We interview podcasters for the real scoop on podcasting. Whether you're thinking about starting a podcast or have been podcasting for years, you'll find lots of inspiration, valuable lessons, and tips in our interviews. This podcast is brought to you by Podbean. Please visit podbean.com, the home for podcasters. All right, perfect. Ben, I am excited to have you on this episode of Podcasting Smarter. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm excited to to be here. I'm excited to chop it up and talk some, talk some podcasting. <laughs> I love the term that you use to chopping it up. It's such like, especially being in the podcasting audio, I feel like it's such an apropos term for us to have used. So, 100%. Yeah, I, know. I love it. I love it for sure. Good on you. Uh, so before we begin, I want to go ahead and give you the opportunity to tell our audience a little bit about who you are. Obviously, I know about you, and I'm sure a lot of our podcast audience knows about some of the work that you do. But for those who might not have heard of your work yet, I'd love for you to be able to give a little bit of insight as to what you bring into uh, the, the promotional and podcasting industry here. Yeah, for sure. So podcasting is definitely near and dear to my heart. And I would say that's the the first piece of content that really broke through for me was my beginner's guide to podcasting. I made about two or three years ago and I made that over on YouTube. And the reason why I did it is because I was podcasting and I took so much value from having a show, but I made so many mistakes along the way. So I wanted to share that in a video and it resonated with people. Uh, and then that was the first big break I had on YouTube. So what I do professionally is I'm a podcaster and then I'm also a social media strategist. So I run a social media agency to help people grow audiences and communities on social. That's really cool. And with your YouTube channel, you focus on a bunch of different topics for both starting, growing, and maintaining your podcast, as you just spoke about. And that also yeah. translates over to social media, specifically Instagram and YouTube is what I think a lot of us have become familiar with. Uh, what do you feel is the most common misconception about growing a fan base in the podcasting space? That's a great question. So I think a lot of people, they put time in places where it's not the best to, to put it, or they don't have the patience to understand what they're working towards and also the importance of designing specific for a platform. So if you're looking to leverage other platforms like Instagram, like YouTube, it's really, really important to design specific to how people want to consume there. That That's what's really important if you're looking to leverage those places. I think a lot of people will just throw up an audiogram and then be mad that it didn't blow up on Instagram. And you have to think about what you're competing against, right? So I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't put the additional time in to create specific to the platform. I know that's more work, but it's one of those things where I'd rather do it right and put more work forward, then continue to do it wrong and not see any time back. Because if, if you're not getting anything from it, it becomes a waste of your time rather than an investment of your time. Of course. And like you said, being able to really match the content to the platform is essential. And the thing is, there is a lot of cross-pollination between what the uh, platforms will allow you to host. Like you said, using an audiogram as an example, you can put an audiogram over on YouTube, you can put it over on Instagram, you could put it on a bunch of different mediums. But 
what would you say? Let's use the audiogram as a quick example, because that's been a really powerful tool for podcasters to help grow their audience. Um, how would you say using something like an audiogram may be different on Instagram as it would be on YouTube? Would you recommend moving an audiogram over to uh, YouTube? Or would you recommend saying that maybe there's another medium that would fit better on YouTube? Obviously, like your kind of longer form content and the things that you discuss fall a little bit outside of that too. Yeah, great question. So audiograms are a, still a very powerful tool and it's a quick way to get a piece of content out there. Great for sharing to your story and all those things. But for, I, I think it works way better on Instagram than it would on YouTube. YouTube is far more of a heavy video-based platform and so it's far more immersive. So it, you're, you're unlikely to break through the noise if you don't have video because people are going to they want to see. And it's longer periods of time. Whereas someone will listen to an audiogram more often on Instagram because it's going to be 30, 40 seconds. And that's a typical time they'll spend on a post. Whereas on YouTube, some people want to sit down for an extended period of time, but they want to see something. So I wouldn't even put audiograms really on YouTube because I just don't see them performing all that well. I would stick to video-based content for YouTube, especially if you're looking to take a YouTube channel seriously. I think what you also kind of touched on here was the length of an audiogram also and how it really translates onto YouTube. Audiograms are great for different mediums, but like you said, when you're built onto YouTube, the expectation is that you're going to be sitting on the channel for a while. You want to maybe see some of the longer form content, you know, maybe videos that are five, 10 minutes, even sometimes longer, as you're aware. Uh, for Instagram, you see a lot of that traffic that's very much a swipe and go. So as soon as you see that content, the likelihood of somebody returning back to your profile to come back and review it, uh, at least in my experience, is nil. It's a great place to have a lot of content on, but you don't see the same people coming back to a specific Instagram page to come back to that content, unless they're diehard fans of that specific person or that specific brand. For sure. You don't have much beyond the initial touch point. Uh, so I think it's very important to be very selective if you are creating, say, an audiogram to understand what piece of content are you putting within that? Because this may be the only interaction that you have with someone. So you need to think about what is your desired outcome? And if it's to funnel traffic to your actual podcast episode, it better be a very compelling piece of media to really spark that action because people typically want to stay on the platform they're on and less motivated to leave. So it has to be very enticing. And I've seen it done very well before, say on, on Instagram and on TikTok, where I've seen a little podcast clip and been so confused or intrigued by it that I did leave the app. And so I would say to consciously consume, like when you're going through TikTok or Instagram, if there's someone who runs a show and the little clip was enough to get you to leave, they're doing something right. So try to copy that, emulate that within your own unique show and branding and all that stuff, but try to capture common themes because that's really, really important. Now, also kind of connecting that to the next question here, uh, one of the webinars that we do here at Podbean is called Promote Your Podcast, where we give a lot of different tips and tricks for how podcasters can grow their podcast. And we spend a lot of time, uh, rightfully so, on social media to help grow the brand. There are a lot of different tactics, as we're going to discuss today, to grow your podcast. But a lot of podcasters often ask us, how important is it for me to be on social media? And while it is one, it's one of the drivers, it's not the one thing that you should always focus your time on. But I think that social media bridges that gap from what a podcast is unable to do. You know, you can have your live stream like through Podbean live stream where you have engagement, but using something like social media gives you the ability to engage with your audience in a different way. How beneficial do you find social media to growing your traffic for a podcast? So I'm certainly going to be biased here, but I think it's 
it's it's incredibly important. But depending on what approach you're taking, like if if you have a budget or or the time, I think it's a must. If you have those two things, I understand that not everyone's in that situation. But once you get there, I think it's something that you should absolutely be doing because of one of the fundamental flaws of podcasting. It's it's exceptional. I love podcasting. It's one of my favorite mediums. But they have not really improved or nearly perfected discovery. Like it's, it's very difficult for people to still find your show, uh, but people are working to improve that, like the, the Podbean app and, and things of that nature, but it's still not where it is on social media platforms. Like these algorithms are engineered to get content in front of people who want it. So not leveraging those, in my opinion, would be silly. Again, this all comes down to having the bandwidth for it. But YouTube specifically, why I think it's so awesome for podcasting is because you can have the main full-length episode, but you can also cut that up into a ton of different micro clips. And that has really been the key and the backbone of some of the most successful shows because it does everything that YouTube wants. They want creators to, to create a lot of content. They want people to consistently create content, which becomes easy when you're just cutting up the long form. And the other beautiful thing is the fact that it's a search engine, so the content lifespan is not days like it is on other places, it's years or decades even. And every little clip, you can format it in a way using YouTube SEO, not to get too technical here, to target a different interest or a different kind of person. So while they may not have ever found your full length episode, they may find one of the micro clips that you targeted around a specific interest of theirs that you maybe spoke about for two or three minutes, and that may be what brought them into your world. So that's why I think YouTube is the most important one. It is, it is, it is a decent amount of work to create specifically for it, but I just think if you're playing the long game and you plan to be doing this show for, for years or decades, it's really a no-brainer because you're going to get constant funnels of traffic for work that you do once for years to come. And YouTube also has these features baked in like cards and uh, the ending screens also. One thing once you hit a certain subscriber count also that I think really can benefit podcasters is that URL. So for example, if you, I think it's once you reach a thousand subscribers on your YouTube, you can then have a verified link that you can use in your episodes too. So for example, like you said, if you have that short five minute clip, that's an excerpt from your podcast episode, you can go ahead and link out to either a the episode that's built into the YouTube, or if you want to lead people to your podcast channel, you can have a link that goes directly to that. And I think that, uh, like you said, YouTube rewards you for putting more content and getting more engagement through those different things. They say, hey, if you're serious about using YouTube, and you get your subscriber count and your uh, numbers up, we want to help you build that engagement. And using those short clips, you can create five or six short clips for an hour long interview that you have and lead so many people to the YouTube video of it, or like we're talking about to the podcast episode. A hundred percent. And so the most important thing, and I was, I've been using Clubhouse a lot recently and been in YouTube specific rooms and the head of YouTube suggested and browse features, like that's his whole job. He was in the room and he was asked, what is the most important aspect of growing a YouTube channel? And he said, the most important thing that you can do is get a viewer to watch more than one video in a row. So the Clips channel lends directly to that where you're doing exactly what they care about the most because you're gonna have a similar look and feel and it's gonna be far more likely that they're going to click your video because they just clicked yours and if they enjoy the content, they want more. That's why these Clips channels work so well. 
Now, when we talk about some of the content that's on your uh, YouTube channel specifically, one video that you did that I love is how to get podcast guests. Um, I love that you mention about reaching out to guests via social media DMs, uh, both in my podcasting life and in my um, external life. A lot of guests that I've worked with and even clients that I've uh, worked with have been all through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram DMs, as well as email. But I feel yeah. like a lot of podcasters may be hesitant to do this because they're not necessarily confident in their own down download number, subscriber count, and the different demographics and statistics that they feel they need to attract these high-level guests. But what advice do you have for a podcaster who wants to reach out to podcast guests, but may be apprehensive to do so? So I would say that you'll be surprised at how few people will actually ask for your numbers in general. So I think that it, it more comes down to how you present the, yourself and how you position the opportunity to come on your show. So it doesn't matter who you are, even if you have a smaller show, there's something that you can do that can make the exchange valuable to the other person. For one, everybody on this planet likes to talk about themselves. So you're giving them that airtime to talk about themselves. That is something that's valuable to them. And that does carry some weight. In addition to that, you can speak to exactly what it's going to look like and how that's a positive outcome for them. So maybe if it's someone who you see they're trying to infiltrate a different market and you have a bit of an audience, regardless of how small in that space, you can say, oh, I see you're trying to do this. It shows that you care and that you're actually consuming their content. And my audience is really big into that. I would love to have you come on and hopefully get you some of that kind of audience that you're trying to attract. So it's all about how you position yourself, how you position the show. And the numbers are only a restriction if you really let it be. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's crazy how many people will say yes to you to come on your show, but you have to shoot your shot. And the DMs are probably the best place to do it because I don't care who you are. Everybody sees their DMs and people will say, oh, they get, they don't, they don't see them. Everyone looks in their DMs. So you're giving yourself a chance. Uh, what I would say is that try to be unique if you can. I think that's a very important thing to improve your success rate. So because the, when it goes into their requests, it only shows like the first line. So I heard this great analogy the other day or it was you have to treat that like you would an email subject line. You need you want them to click through and open it. So think about that before you send the message. Because if you just started off with, hey, so-and-so, they get, if it's someone who's very influential, they get tons of those messages from bots or other people. So you want to stand out from the crowd. Absolutely. And even with the work that I've done, one way that I've felt is really beneficial to reach out is, and I want to touch on something that you said too, you'd be surprised how many people don't look at the download numbers. Uh, for years in my life of music outside of podcast hosting, one thing that we learn a lot and one thing we promote to podcasters is coming up with a press kit or a media kit. I still think that's extremely essential and anyone listening should definitely look into creating one. Uh, it could be in a form of a website, but always at least have a media kit in the PDF form, whatnot also. Uh, but you'd be surprised how many opportunities come across the desk by simply just sending the media kit. Sometimes these people won't even look at it. But if you're saying, hey, I'd like to invite you to check out my media kit in, like you said, your unique presentation, then I think a lot of people will go, wow, this person has a media kit. They're professional. They may not even look at that media kit. It just comes off as this person has their stuff together. They know what they want. And you know, you get that you usually get more by asking and having the professionalism there than just going, hey, do you want to be on my show? Because if you say, hey, do you want to be on my show? You're not going to get anything. But if you at least present that professional background and that professionalism for your show, more often than not, you'll get responses. If you shoot 100 shots, maybe you'll get 10, but those 10 could be the ones that launch you into where you want to be. 100%. And I love that you mentioned that because just like the analogy that you said and the example there, 
The same is true on social media. It's like the smallest little things make a world of a difference. So essentially, you want to answer the questions before they have to be asked. Don't give anyone a reason to say no. So if you come with a very well-prepared package, making it very simple and seamless for them, you, you give them very few reasons to say no. And a lot of people, they want to help out naturally if they can. So if someone has the time and you do so the right way, I think you'll be quite surprised at how many people say yes. And I can say this personally because I was just, a, when I started my show, I was just a kid in college who was like looking around and I'm like, oh, like I don't want to do any of the stuff that I'm doing in school or like that my friends are doing. Like, I want to network with different people just sure. to get a feel for it all. And then I started reaching out to people and some people that I'd never in a million years thought would even respond said, yeah, let's do it. And I had a few episodes at the time. So I think you'll be quite surprised, but it comes down to, to shooting your shot and giving yourself the opportunity. And one thing I don't know if we spoke about yet is the ability of being personable when you reach out in these DMs too. Uh, one thing that I know has helped me, and I'd love to hear your feedback on this too, is a lot of the times I do have a boilerplate for what I send out in terms of what I'd like to ask for. But mm -hmm. I think that's something that you need. However, that introductory paragraph for me is always essential because when we talk about growing a podcast, when we talk about reaching out and having podcast guests, you don't want it to just be like, okay, cool. I sent you the same thing as I sent a hundred other people. If you're reaching out to somebody, one thing that I found to be successful is find out about who you're reaching out to. Find out about some of the content that they've created. Find out about what their staple in that specific community is. Because at the end of the day, what you're trying to do is you're trying to become part of that community. You're not just trying to build a brand and say, oh, look how many listeners I have. You're trying to build your name to be a name or a brand that's trusted within your niche market. So if you come up and you say, hey, I want to bring you on my show because of this and this that I heard you say or that I saw you do or what you represent, in that intro paragraph, I always try to put, hey, my name is such and such. Here's what I am. Like You're not going to go ahead and just shy away from that, but you can at least open up and say, this is what I appreciate about you. Keep doing the great work. This is how you've affected me. The next paragraph is, here's what I'm looking for. So you always want to be direct, but always show I'm not just emailing everybody and crossing my fingers. I am specifically catering it to you. Yes, that personalized touch is so important because the, the more that people get reached out to, the, the stronger their spam detector becomes. And, and so like when it comes to, D, uh, to emails that I get or DMs that I get, if there's like any sort of hint of spam or mass messages, I'll just delete it right on right on site. Because if the person that you're reaching out to or someone that's reaching out to you, if they don't have the effort or the time to put forward that, why would I give my time, right? It's a pretty, pretty, a pretty big no-brainer. So just give yourself the chance by making it personal. And you don't even have to overthink it too. If you just go look at their content, it's gonna be pretty easy to tell what they care about, what they're about and what they're looking to do. And just speaking to that, clearly if they're sharing this, these things on social media, it's because they're looking to, to help others in through those messages. So they want a platform to do that. Now, when you created your video for how to create a top podcast in 2021, I saw that it discussed strategies for making it into Apple Podcasts Top 100, which for a lot of podcasters is a big goal. It's almost as big as getting Twitter verified, right? Yeah. Uh, but one strategy that we mention is about having three episodes ready to launch. I talk about that a lot from a preparation standpoint, right? When you first launch your podcast, you want to have a bunch of episodes in the can. That way you're not stressing for content going forward but you actually took a little bit of a different approach here. Can you explain what the three episode idea is and why having three episodes ready to go can give you a huge boost in listenership and help you get into that top 100 chart? 
For sure. So that's a huge tactic that still works to this day. And, and if done successfully, it can be a huge momentum driver for your show. So the, the three episode principle is, I think it works for a few different reasons. I think outside of the podcast app and how it functions, I think it shows that you're going to actually put forward the time and, and make this a thing. I, I know that so many people on your Facebook feed or over on Instagram, they start something and then they go away after one episode. So I think it shows people that you're trying to reach out to that you're serious about it by having those three episodes. But more of a platform-specific reasoning for why that's so important is because every during the, your new phase of your show, if people listen to your episodes, if, if they listen to all three, all of that is viewed as unique viewership or listenership in the eyes of Apple Podcasts. And that helps you tremendously. And so they're not tracking simply just, uh, they're, not, they're not tracking independent download numbers to dictate the charts. They're seeing increases in viewership and, and the rate in which that happens. So if you're a brand new show, if you have just one episode, that's great. But if you have three that can be three times as great and three times as valuable in terms of how Apple Podcasts ranks their categories. And so when I launched my show, again, with like with no social media presence really at the time, just simply to my friends and my Facebook communities and whatever, I was able to get in like the top 30 of business podcasts with from oh, wow. a brand new show, um, just from, from leveraging essentially this exact strategy. Now, do you recommend having all of the episodes released simultaneously? So what you're saying then is when you release your show, have the three episodes ready to go and launch them all at the same time? Or do you recommend having them scheduled out and then saying, okay, next week, next week, next week? So I would either do them all at once or in consecutive days. So I, I, I can't confirm this, but in another conversation that I had with another podcasting person, they said that uh, Apple Podcasts, cares even more if it is able to double on a daily basis. So hypothetically, if you were able to do the one and then the two and then the three and everybody was listening, you'd continue to increase your listeners rapidly in the eyes of podcasts and that would help you out even more. I did them all at once and it was very successful for me, but I would, I would pick one of those two and then get into your normal posting cadence after that. And speaking about posting cadence, kind of tying it back to social media also, if you launch three episodes at once, you can then create that social media campaign to have different content going across Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram, and uh, we'll throw TikTok in there as well. But you can have that different content going around all of those, but not just say, okay, for this week, for week number one, we're going to talk about just this episode, because that could be great, but you will wear out your audience, in my opinion. I think the strategy that you have here not only helps you with apps Apple podcast algorithm, but also helps you create a lot of different content that you can put out. Um, for kind of my background with, a, I ran a wrestling podcast for a while. If we go ahead and we had three or four different episodes each week, we could go ahead and promote, oh, we're going to talk about this show today. And we're going to talk about this show today. And mm. throughout the week, you can have a seven day uh, fluctuation in different kinds of content. It sounds like the three episodes releasing at the same time kind of allows you to not just take advantage of Apple podcasts, but also then gives you the ability everywhere else to vary your content. Absolutely. It keeps things fresh. And then just from a general marketing perspective, like in, in marketing, we're taught that seven impressions is the magic number before somebody will make an action. I think that can be diminished over on podcasts when it comes to episodes because of how intimate a podcast episode and experience is. So by giving three to someone when they first come and show up, you're giving them an opportunity to develop a really deep relationship with you and your content. And there's a lot to be said there because podcasts are so habitual. If you can allow, make them want to commit to that and become a habit, then that is a potential lifelong fan and listener for you 
right off the top because you gave him the ammunition to build that relationship. One thing that a lot of YouTubers do also is, depending on the different parts of the video, some will put it in the middle after they've gotten the engagement from the listener or the, uh, the viewer in this case. Some will put it at the beginning, some will put it throughout. But one thing we often ask for on YouTube is go ahead and smash the like button, smash the uh, subscribe button, those kinds of things. How important do you think it is for a podcaster to ask for people to subscribe within the context of their show, even in the first couple minutes or uh, later on in the show, like a lot of YouTubers will? Yeah, I think it's more important typically on um, on podcasting because, again, the discovery piece. Whereas if someone watches your full YouTube video and they forgot to subscribe, YouTube will show them another one of your videos down the road. So it's not as big of a deal. Whereas on podcasting, if they just come to one of your episodes and they don't subscribe, you may never see that person again. If Maybe they were funneled from a guest or an ad or however you got them there. So it's really important to get them to, to do that. The issue with it, though, is that because every show is asking people to, sub to subscribe, people are almost numb to it. So I would say it's very important to do so, but try to be creative in the way that you do that. If you can be funny or cheeky or some sort of way that resonates with how you deliver your show, it's going to be a lot more impactful. And if you're looking for some advice on how to do this the right way, there's a massive YouTuber named Graham Stephan, who he like he's the the master of getting people to like his videos because he always did so in a very routine and comedic way that was just Graham and it became part of him. So it became people's natural default to click the like button. So I think it's all about the presentation, not simply just doing it, it's doing it right. And also, when you talk about subscribers and asking people to do so, you're asking people for a commitment, right? You're asking people, okay, if you like this, if you subscribe, you're going to see more of my content. Um, I even feel like what you can do is reward people. There's one podcast that I like uh, from this gentleman named Chris Van Vliet, and he does a lot of interviews with various sports stars and wrestlers from all different promotions. And what he does is he'll go ahead and at the beginning of his shows, if someone leaves a review he'll go ahead and shout them out on the show. So even saying something like, hey, subscribe, but then tying it in, hey, if you do this extra step and leave me a review on one of the podcasting apps, I'll go ahead and I'll read it at the top of the show. You're giving your dedicated fan base an opportunity then to go, oh, okay, I want to be part of that show, even if it's just like, oh, I'm going to be interviewing the biggest person in the world, but mm -hmm. let's go ahead and shout out Kimberly for leaving a five-star review. Uh, you know that you've made a subscriber and you know that you've made a unique engagement with that specific fan. Yeah, that's a very powerful tool. And it, it's it's one of those things where you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's a reason why radio stations allow callers to call in because it creates excitement. And it doesn't matter if there's one person listening or millions, it's a very similar effect on the person who gets that shout out because they're listening. And that's all they really care about at the end of the day is hearing them on something that they traditionally listen to. So that's a very powerful tool as well. Now, we've talked a lot about YouTube, we've talked a lot about Instagram, but I really want to focus on Instagram for a second here, because I think a lot of people understand that YouTube and Google are very kind of connected, and they also understand a lot of about subscribing and how it really helps out uh, YouTuber. I think YouTube and the YouTube community in general has done a really good job of bolstering that. And I think when it comes to podcasts, you're very used to subscribing also. Like we talked about, you always, you know, you can ask for that and it's a really powerful effect. You want to build content where people uh, come to engage. But podcasts, and YouTube have those tools kind of built in and front and center for you. Uh, you discuss a lot about Instagram and how to grow your Instagram channel. In my opinion, Instagram is a great tool, but 
you, you know, when you're in the descriptions, you can't click on the links or things like that. You can click on hashtags, but I think that Instagram still has a lot of value for a podcaster to build their community with it. How effective is Instagram as a podcast growth tool? And what are some tips for podcasters that they can use to help grow their audience? So I think it definitely can be a very impactful tool like any of these social platforms, but it comes down to, to doing it right. And I sound like a broken record here, but the type of content that works on Instagram works on Instagram. So it's very important to be platform specific when generating content and doing so with intent. So leveraging what's working at the time over on Instagram. So right now that's reels. They're really trying to compete with TikTok. So they're putting a ton of emphasis on reels, but it's not as simple as like, I've had a lot of people in my DMs and even clients who've been like, Oh, I'm posting reels. Like why I don't I have millions of followers or why don't they have millions of views? It's not as simple as just posting something. There's still going to be a good versus a bad reel. So it's about putting the time and effort to put your best foot forward with the best opportunity that you do have on Instagram, which right now is reels. Why I think Instagram will be around forever is because of the experience. It, it, it is unlike anything else, really, because TikTok is their, their closest competitor at this point. But the view, the experience and connection you have with an audience is so, so different. So you may be able to grow a way bigger audience on TikTok, but you can actually nurture an audience on Instagram more so. Even if they don't show you to all of your followers, the ones that they do show you to, you can show up very consistently and become part of their life and part of their community. So I think that's very, very important. But when it comes to content, it's going to be you really have to focus on on the value prop for every piece of content. Like, why is this valuable? What's the goal that I want to get from it? And why will this resonate with who I'm trying to speak to? So putting the time and effort into the thought, then the actual content creation, and then the distribution as well. But there is an opportunity to grow on Instagram. A lot of people will say the Instagram algorithm sucks and it hates them, but it's just more competitive because of where they are in their product lifecycle. And Instagram does also give a lot of tools for people to grow their business on there. And as you hit the 10,000 mark, you have the swipe up, which is massively beneficial. So for anybody that is looking to build on Instagram, know that you do have extra tools coming down the line at different levels. Um, I think that a lot of people put a lot of stock into verification, which when you look up verification, it doesn't necessarily get you more or less traffic. It just makes sure that people know that you are the person you say you are. Uh, One thing that Instagram really does well is if someone lands on your page, you have the opportunity for so many different buttons to direct people where you want them to go. Mm -hmm. And I think that those are very understated. I think if you're running a business or you're starting a podcast and you want people to go to the specific uh, podcast, let's say you want people to go to your website or you want people to go to Apple Podcasts or Podbean or, or wherever they want to go, you can really do a great job at directing people where they want to go once they're on your channel. But the thing is, you have to go ahead and get them to just look at your post and then give them directions to check out your actual profile. Certainly. And you do need a lot more effort and a lot uh, more of a strategy than than in previous. Like back five, six years ago, you could have posted pretty well anything and it would have worked. Uh, it just It's just too competitive at this point, but there are still people winning every single day on Instagram, but they're putting forward a little bit of extra effort and time to do so the right way to stand out. Now, when it comes to the podcast algorithms, are there specific, one thing we've done before is we've spoken to Amy Whitney of Real English Conversations, and she's really a big Uh, contributor to the idea of podcasting SEO in the descriptions and the title. How important do you think it is to maximize your podcast title and description SEO so that your searches, uh, when people are searching specific topics or even your channel, uh, will come more towards your content? And do you have any 
tips and tricks that you could offer our listeners for how to maximize your SEO for a podcast? Certainly. So I think it's very, very important because especially if people are coming to find you, I've already mentioned that discovery is, is, is somewhat lacking on podcasting at large. If they can't find you when they type in the name of your show, even then that's a serious problem. So it, it may have to do with like your show may name may sound fantastic, but if it's in like a, a super competitive field where there's hundreds of shows with like almost the exact same name, you're not really giving yourself much of an opportunity there to even be found. And so I think the way you can go about doing that is ensuring that your SEO principles are in place. This is something that even my show needs to improve upon, to be honest with you. But uh, it, it is something that everybody should put a bit of time into. It's one of those things where it's like, if you're already going to have this show up and running, why wouldn't you have it packaged the best way to be found most frequently? So I think that's very important. Uh, and I think one thing is also typing your, typing your name of your show into Google and then also in the podcast apps and seeing if do people find you. And I think you'll, a lot of people will be surprised who are listening to this right now that you're not the first thing that comes up when people type in even your exact podcast name. For context, my show used to be called Project Passion. I typed that in and I would even find my own show when I typed in word for word my show. That's a problem. So that has partially to do with poor SEO at the time. And then also the fact that the, that it's just a very competitive two word combination. So I, I decided to change the name of my show. And, and since doing that, it's a little easier to find me now. And that's huge. And it has so much to do with friction. If someone is motivated to come see your show or listen to your show, they may be motivated to come see it, but if it requires more than they're expecting to have to commit to in terms of time and effort, every little step is another piece of friction. It makes it less likely that they actually get to you. So it's very important to make that as seamless as possible and good SEO practices and, and making yourself easy to find is the, one of the easiest ways to do that when using the right strategies that, you've, that you mentioned. I think the rule when you build a website is you don't want anything to be more than two clicks away, even if it's getting back to the homepage. And something like that, for what you said, searching yourself on Google, searching yourself on YouTube, searching yourself on the podcast apps and seeing what comes up can really be the difference between you growing an audience and you kind of just promoting to, you know, friends and family and things like that, like that small listenership that you develop, just kind of launching the podcast, so to speak. Um, I think it's super important to really take advantage of SEO. And it's it's fairly simple to do for a lot of podcasters too. One thing that uh, we recommend a lot from Amy Whitney specifically is that you can look at some of what your competitors are using in that market also. You know, if you're typing in, for example, hockey, I'm just thinking of different things. Um, if you type in hockey, for example, and your podcast doesn't come up, you know, you may want to look at some of the other keywords that come up for that. Also, if hockey is such a grandiose term, maybe people are going to find other podcasts that maybe have a little bit of a higher listenership than your podcast. Uh, this is where you kind of talk about niche marketing, knowing your specific place within the overarch of the giant topic. How important is it for a podcaster to understand their own niche market in the global scheme of their given field? So I think it's more important than ever because of the level of saturation that we're experiencing within podcasting and, and social media as well. So if, if you don't give yourself a chance to be discovered, you don't give yourself a chance at all. And so a lot of people, when they try to appeal to too big of a market, they end up appealing to no one simply because they can't break through the noise. So if, if you don't have a, a fairly specific offering, it's going to be difficult to keep people and even get people to you in general. So I think having a deep understanding of what you want to do is going to be very beneficial. And I would, I would recommend starting 
more niche, like airing more on the niche side, being very narrowed down and expanding out from there. Whereas if you try to start too broad, it's going to be very difficult to attract an audience unless you're investing a lot of time creating content, say for TikTok and more generalist platforms versus say podcasting and even YouTube where it's a lot more specific to the content itself. And the more niche that you are, what it does is it makes it easier for the platforms to know exactly who you are and who you're for. So they're more likely to give you an opportunity because they know exactly what you are. Whereas if it's more generic and broad, it makes it more of a risk on their end. And in turn, they're less likely to give you those opportunities. And it's also really important when you look, for example, at Apple Podcasts or any of the podcasting apps, you may be, when people listen to your podcast, recommending other podcasts, for example, like really high level podcasts, but it may not be reciprocated in the same way, right? So you may go, for example, your podcast focuses on uh, social media, for example, and building uh, an audience. You may be able to recommend other people who talk about social media. And because your podcast is getting a lot of traffic, when you go to those specific podcasts, they'll be recommending your podcast right back. So it's cyclical. The one thing that I think you would, and we kind of talked about here, is you don't want to send people away from your show or your channels and then not have a way to pull them back in. So being mm -hmm. able to really funnel into that niche market will make sure that if someone finds out about something through you, they're going to find right back about you from them also. Yes, no, that's very important is to, to own that communication stream. So you, you got to think about what the next goal is. And I think approaching every piece of content with the next call to action in mind is something that you should be doing. And that's going to give yourself the best opportunity to maximize every person who listens. Now, the last question I have for you for our interview today, uh, what would be one piece of advice that you could give to a podcaster who's, let's say, a little bit nervous about starting up their podcast and they want to grow. They want to see a lot of growth, but they're a little bit concerned about taking that first step. What's a piece of advice that you could give to a podcaster who in their head is excited, but they just want to make sure that it's worth their time to invest into. So I think the best place piece of advice that I can give is you better love what you're talking about. And I think you shouldn't really enter the equation unless you're super passionate about that field because it's not going to be a snap of your fingers it's going to be a lot of time and effort so i literally before i even got into making a podcast i said if i agreed to a few things i said i'm going to do this for at least a year i think that's something that you should sign up for right now and then two i said i'd be completely content if i no like if for, for six months in and still no one was listening i was going to give myself that full year to give myself any sort of chance of, of seeing what this is actually like i think because of how podcasting is consumed, it's going to be a, a grind. So ensure that you love it. That'll be your unique advantage. The fact that you truly are passionate about what you're talking about and potentially who you're talking to. And you'll also have the patience and the grit to keep pushing when times do get discouraging because that's inevitably going to happen. Whenever somebody starts a show, they expect thousands of downloads and then they pretty quickly see that it's five or 10 and then slowly scales up from there. So I think being realistic with yourself and understanding and, and showing approaching this from a true place of passion is going to give yourself the best opportunity to actually turn it into something. Whereas if, you, if you're simply entering a, into a podcast to make money, unless you have an existing audience, you likely won't have what it takes to actually be successful if you don't care about it deeply. Of course. Yeah. And with podcasting, for somebody that does have a dedicated audience, you're going to be able to funnel that traffic over pretty immediately. And it's not to say that a podcaster who's just starting up can't monetize their podcast, but the leg up for somebody that has that audience already is going to be built in as opposed to somebody else who has to gain the trust of a new listenership. 
For sure. And you can monetize a size of any audience. So I don't want people to be discouraged and think like, oh, I'll never make money from this. I just think that a lot of people come into it thinking about Joe Rogan type money. Right. And, and, and then that is the issue right there where it's about being uh, realistic and then putting in the time and effort to understand that no one's just going to throw money at you for talking into a microphone. There's a lot more that goes into that. But if, if this is something that you want to do and you're passionate about, like I think podcasting is the most valuable platform there is out there because of what it is. It's a conversation either with you to a person listening or like this in an interview style. And that's like one of the most powerful things we have as human beings. So you just get to do that consistently. And and for me, the thing was, I, I don't care if no one listens to this because I get to meet people like yourself like if, from having a show. And that's really, really cool. So then having a strong why makes everything else less less stressful and you can just focus on creating good content. Absolutely. And before we conclude today, I want to give you the opportunity to uh, promote where people can find your YouTube content, your Instagram content, your podcast. I want to give you the floor to basically promote yourself. Tell us where we could find you. For sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It was uh, awesome to talk shop. appreciate you and your time. And the best place to find me uh, would be my YouTube channel probably, which is just Ben and Levitt, L-E-A-V-I-T-T is how my last name's spelt. And my podcast was rebranded about a month and a half ago now. It's now Social Media University. So I'd love for you guys to go check that out. And if you have any personal questions for me, uh, the easiest place to reach me is either via email or uh, on Instagram. And Instagram is just Ben Levitt underscore. And my email is attached to my Instagram. Awesome. Ben, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today, talk about different growth strategies, and really just creating a, another funnel for people to gain that confidence and understand how they can grow themselves in the podcasting industry. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for Podcasting Smarter. You can check our show notes at podcast.podbean.com for links and details. Please like our podcast, leave your comments, and help us spread the word to other podcasters so we can bring you more great episodes with podcasting tips and inspiration from fellow podcasters. If you want to connect with other podcasters or get interviewed on this podcast, please join our Podcasting Smarter Facebook group. We look forward to welcoming you to the community. Happy podcasting!